Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature self-taught artist Bonnie Ramirez. Born in the Dominican Republic, Bonnie lives and works in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey. He retains a connection to his Dominican heritage through his art, incorporating elements of the Caribbean with his own distinctive details. Through a combination of painting and drawing, he adheres life-size paper figures onto painted wood panels. His expanded practice incorporates new materials into his portraits, namely wallpaper, swords, and rhinestones, which brings physical and allegorical depth to the stories he tells about Caribbean history and daily life. In February 2022, he attended the Fountainhead Arts Residency in Miami. His work has been featured in exhibitions at Theory Goldberg Gallery, Deitch Gallery in Los Angeles, Rutgers University, New Jersey, the Hudson Valley Museum of Contemporary Art in New York, the Perth Amboy Center for the Arts, and the Bradley Urtaskarin Gallery in Montreal, Canada, to name a few. Enjoy this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast featuring self-taught artist Bonnie Ramirez. Bonnie, thank you very much for joining me on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be, you know, part of this and having this opportunity to, you know, share, you know, my knowledge and my work with you and everybody else. So let's start with when did you discover your artistic passion? So uh, I was born and raised in Dominican Republic. Um, I we used to go. My mom used to take us every day to church and I would always be in love with like all of the paintings and like saint sculptures that you would see around us and I would say that was like the first how I discovered my love for art you know how much I appreciated uh those depictions and like the presentation of things so when I was little I used to do a lot of like I used to copy a lot of like the same paintings and sculptures and just like do little drawings or doodles you know referencing those and I remember I used to give them around to like the church people and stuff. Um, so I would say that I guess that's where I not only discovered my work, my love for art, but that I started to appreciate it. And I started to see that people also saw that, you know, gift in me in terms of like the technical, you know, drawing skills, as well as, you know, having that thought of that, you know, thought of being an, an artist or just like that, you know, that creative drive that people saw in me when growing up. And that's where I kind of like see more of myself as well. Was there a particular artist that influenced you early on? Definitely. So um, originally, uh, I graduated high school. Um, I'm a self-taught artist. I was able to attend school. Um, So after that, I really wanted to polish my work to be a bit more contemporary, a bit stronger. Um, So in that period of time, I would say, you know, I discovered the work of Francis Bacon. And through Francis Bacon, I discovered Picasso. 
as well as a lot of the Italian mannerists from the Renaissance period. So I would say that uh, the three um, movements or people that inspire the current work that, you know, that I make now, um, as well as, you know, the influence from Caribbean and Dominican uh, culture and traditions. And I guess like a mixture of that, it's what really, how I ended up in the current work that I have now. And that was more the evolution, you know, looking a lot into artists that really dealt with the human anatomy as I was never good at the proportions. So I knew that when I wanted to come up with like a, you know, a unique style, I wanted to embrace that idea of me not being able to, you know, make a, you know, anatomically correct person. And that's where, you know, Francis Bacon come along and like Picasso and like the Italian mannerists, because they also didn't, you know, follow the rules of what a human should look like physically, for example. You know, in my initial question, you you mentioned sculptures. I'm curious, are sculptures, uh, ceramics a part of your practice? Uh, Definitely sculpture in general has really been always a part of my work. Um, Other than my paintings being like these mixed media uh, paintings, you know, with the figure being pasted on paper. And like I use, of course, uh, something popular in my work is definitely like the swords and knives and like all these like objects I attach to the work. And definitely, so from that, I guess it stems then the sculpture part of my practice. Um, One of the most known, uh, I guess, sculptures uh, that I have done are the Carababies, like it's almost like Caribbean babies. And they're basically these little kids made out of clay heads and like soft sculpture bodies. And that was sort of like the introduction to more of that sculpture part of my work and I always wanted it to always go hand in hand with my exhibitions so all of my solo presentations I do like to include sculptures um, with ceramics I've always been proficient in uh, ceramics even though I hadn't been able to uh, show them in any of my uh, exhibitions when the pandemic happened which is also where my sort of my career started to take off uh, the center where I used to fire my ceramics uh, shut down so that's why I haven't even been able to include any ceramics in any of the shows that I've done so far. However, you know, I'll be presenting a solo booth at Independent Art Fair with Regular Normal Gallery. And I have made three sculptures for that presentation. Two of them are actually um, modified uh, ceramic pots. Uh, when I say modified, I mean you have the ceramic pot and then you have different objects that I added to it, like knives and seashells and chains, for example. So they're definitely like very mixed media sculptures. I like to uh, describe them as vessels, uh, just because the pot itself cannot actually be used as just part of the sculpture. As well as, you know, I started to dabble into more like conceptual sculptures or like found material sculptures. So at this fair, I'll also be presenting almost like this fusion between sea conch and a um, bear trap. Um, it's a very interesting conceptual uh, sculpture, um, as well as the previous one that I had uh, uh, shown was this coconut with like all these like scaffold blades around. So I'm definitely very interested in exploring like different materials, um, specifically materials that kind of have a certain connection to the Caribbean or, you know, any tropical place in the world to always have that connection to the tropical in the Caribbean and where I come from in the work. Um, so I'm very interested in like using a lot of those materials to create these sculptures, as well as again, you know, we'll be keep making the Carababies. 
because they're also like an extension of my paintings and the figures in my paintings as well. Do you remember what inspired you to incorporate the found objects, the swords and knives and everything into your work? Yeah, definitely. I've always been a very curious when it comes to materials and art. Definitely one of the things that inspires me a lot is just the idea of like turning something that existed into like your own, basically. So I guess that just like, I'm a very curious person wanting to explore what these materials would look like together and just like how do we add a meaning to that composition it's also like very interesting was very interesting to me and i think just like being curious i think that's what landed me into uh the materials like you mentioned you know the swords and knives are something that is very common in my work and they essentially started off as just you know experimenting and like dabbling around the idea of using something that I was fearful of in my work. So I was, and I'm still terrified of, you know, knives and like, you know, sharp, any sharp objects. Um, so I was just exploring, you know, how do I tame fear by essentially using that fear and confronting that fear by including it in my work. And that's sort of how they started. Um, as I started to develop more of like the idea or the general things that I wanted to say with the knives and the swords, they started to become a bit more intentional in terms of what type of knives I use, what type of swords I use. Um, so, for example, I've used like machetes there are, that is something like very common in the Caribbean or like swords that is something to talk more about like colonialism and that aspect of it. Um, so I started to be a bit more, um, again, intentional with the type of knife or sword that I use. And what I don't know, it just adds to the idea of just like finding these objects, like what do these objects look like and how can they be included in the work? I do see myself as exploring more of my sculpture uh, aspect. Even though I'm mainly known as a painter, I always want people to know that I can do more than that. And I'm passionate about showing those other aspects of myself. And just like, you know, making sure the work is very like strong, but also serious. I feel like a lot of the objects that I use are very serious objects. Again, going back to the seashells or like, you know, the swords and knife. And I think they have a certain respect almost that we bring those specific found materials that I use a lot in my work. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see how that progresses. In this conversation, it's clear that you have a connection to the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you a question, really for selfish reasons, because I'm really curious and want to learn, but do you consider yourself a Latinx artist? And, or do you feel that Latinx art can be defined? No, that's definitely like a very interesting question. Um, and it's also like tricky because I think it's so broad of what is like considered, you know, Latinx uh, nowadays. Um, in my specific case, I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic, which is considered a lot of times part of Latin America, but it's because we are a Spanish speaking country. But they're also part of the Caribbean. And it's interesting because like once I came to this country, you know, there's some more, of course, you know, I started to meet people from other islands and I realized how many things we have in common, you know, that I, of course, I didn't see, you know, when I was living in the Dominican Republic. Um, and then I realized, you know, how close we are and just, it was just the language barrier, you know, because of colonization, you know, even though the Caribbean is so small and all the islands are so small, but we all have, were colonized by different countries. So there's like, a, you know, just like different languages that we can't really communicate the things, all the things that we have in common. But, you know, 
you know, whether it's architecture or just like, you know, traditions, like they're very, very similar. And especially in Dominican Republic, even as a country that's seen a lot of times, you know, as part of Latin America, you know, we have more things in common with a country, for example, like, you know, Jamaica, than we would have with a country like Mexico, for example. Um, when it comes to traditions, when it comes to how the people look like in the country. And then the other part uh, that's very interesting, for example, you know, in Dominican Republic, we share the island with Haiti. You know, we are one island. But a lot of times Haiti is removed from the conversation of, you know, Latinx or Latinx art. And it shouldn't be like that. We're like, we are literally sharing the same geographic piece of land. And I think it's definitely unfair how we erase that part and then just include our side. That's why, you know, sometimes it's tricky for me to consider myself, you know, you know, a Latin American or like a Latinx artist. If a lot of times you are ignoring, you know, Haiti and that part, and sometimes we don't even consider them, you know, Latinx artists, for example, or Latinx, uh, or just part of Latin America. And it's definitely unfair uh, that they're erased from the conversation. And us literally being in the same piece of land, actually do having the privilege a lot of times of being considered, oh, part of Latin America or whatever. So that's why it's like a streaky um, when it comes to that. There's a lot of erasure that comes in the Caribbean specifically by me as a Caribbean artist considering myself, you know, a Latinx artist. You know, of course, you know, because of the language, we can communicate with other Spanish-speaking countries that are, you know, part of Latin America, um, that we can communicate the things that we have in common and we can, you know, have similar, similar dialogues. And that's why I guess it's easier for us to be, you know, included in that conversation because we are able to have that conversation because of the language, but our, you know, our traditions and like thing and culture are more similar to those in other non-Spanish speaking countries in the Caribbean than what they are to a more like countries that are like around Central America and stuff. Um, so I would say I usually just let, you know, I'm just so people I'm a Caribbean artist or a Dominican artist, either or it works well, um, just because, you know, I, well, I am part of a lot of like Latinx or like, Latin American art conversation and the things that I include in my work as well, you know, I do prefer uh, considering myself a Caribbean artist or just Dominican artist. Do you listen to music while you work? I do. um, But I see, uh, unlike a lot of artists, I have to have my headphones. I feel like, or a lot of my artist friends, they just have like a speaker in their studio and I can't do that. I just, I must have my headphones on all the time. And that's where I, I listen to a lot of like some experimental music. I've been trying to get into more also, I guess Beethoven and like Pavarotti, but it's also like a, a combination of like more, you know, hip hop and R&B and, uh, you know, some, you know, Dominican music as well as um, a lot of more experimental, a lot of uh, flamenco, which comes from Spain. Um, so it's a combination of like different things. Like my shelf was just like a mixture of everything, uh, but I must have my headphones. And if I, for, for some reason, I, I forget my headphones, I feel like I cannot paint that day. Like I must have music in my ears for me to be able to paint most of the time. How do you keep learning? How do I keep learning? I, that's a really good question. I think, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a very curious person. So anything new I want to experience or just like explore. Um, again, you know, talking about like materials and just like, you know, the history or like different things, you know, especially as a like immigrant in the United States, you know, 
it's such a like even though I came to this country in 2009 but I I keep learning about you know just the culture here and how people behave here and how has that like affected me or has not affected me and like but I would say just in art just I'm very curious so when it comes to material side to experiment different things and also I think in my case as a self-taught artist there've been a lot of things that I wish if I had gone to school that I wish I had experienced or learned and then that I of course didn't have the access to by not being able to go to school so there's a lot of things that I feel like I need to learn that I really benefit my work for example like I've never been able to try like printmaking or I've never been able to try um you know textile works and different things that I would or like metal working different things that I would have access to if I had to go like come to art school So I think that's why I you know I'm always learning you know always trying to not stay within just the same constraints so like my work will keep evolving you know of course with the same you know quote unquote Bonnie Ramirez brand but I you know I do see my work evolving just for the simple fact that I do like to experiment and learning and I'm also a person that's really open always to constructive criticism and anything that anybody has to say about my work you know I love to listen to people's opinion about the work and from that learn a lot of times if it's you know something i can learn from you recently attended the fountainhead residency yes 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 what was that experience like for you did you find that you really learned a lot yes that experience was definitely like a very unique and wonderful experience um in my case i hadn't i haven't been back to my country since i got here in 2009 so i haven't i wasn't before found before i attended fountainhead i hadn't really seen you know the tropics or like you know the palm trees and like you know the tropical weather and you know the blue ocean for example so it was like you know essentially Miami is the closest thing in the United States that there is to any country in the Caribbean so i really felt like home a lot of times especially in the like the geography and the people there too because we are we're close to little Haiti so like just all the people just reminded me a lot of home Um and just sharing the house with my cohort, you know, our Patricia Ayers and Nate Lewis, who are super amazing, wonderful and talented artists that I really learned a lot from them, you know, not only from their work but just as people. Definitely one of would be one of my highlights just getting to know them more and just like spending the time with them, you know. It was definitely a a great um residency, you know, not only to learn about, you know, Miami but also like all the great artists that have passed through there. And just the program is great, you know, we have we get a studio, you know, we got a lot of studio visits and stuff and we get to go to a lot of institutions. Um so it was definitely like a great great experience, you know. Coincidentally at the same time that I was part, you know, doing the residency in February, it was at the same time that the Miami ICA put the piece that they acquired for me on view. So it was like the first time actually that I had seen an acquired work in a museum for the first time. So that was like very and also like an emotional part of the residency just being able to experience that there at the same time that I was there. Um and just the people in general like everybody at the residency the staff they're all great. So definitely an experience that I'll never forget. It was a really really good experience. So back to you. So what does your workspace look like? So my studio is based in Amana um, Contemporary in Jersey City. It's basically this artist studio space building. And it was interesting because like my rise quote unquote in the art world has been so fast that you know 
even in early 2020, I was still making work in my kitchen because, of course, I couldn't afford a studio. Um, and I recently moved to this new studio about um, six months ago, I would say, back in September. And it's definitely like a very spacious studio. I have, you know, fans. I have the sink. I have a view also, oh, tall windows, a very tall door. Um, so I can make bigger paintings as well. So, you know, I really love, you know, my working space. I feel very comfortable here. And I've been finding myself even like staying later than usual. Um, just because I just love, you know, just love being here in the studio and just creating work. When you're creating, do you think about who your audience is? I always tell myself or always tell people that I paint for myself. I paint the things that I want to express in my work. But it is a fact that a lot of times I do think about who do I want to get the work? Who is the work presented to? And why is why, why it's important, you know? In my particular case, for me, it's very important to highlight you know, Caribbean art and culture and almost like, you know, share or inform people that are not familiar with the Caribbean or what happens in the Caribbean in my work. So in that case, I do, you know, think about my audience because I, a lot of the paintings, a lot of the presentations and exhibitions that I've done are almost a lot of times meant to inform the viewer about what we do in the Caribbean and what we're about in the Caribbean. Of course, in my own more like surreal way, so a lot of times it's difficult to understand for somebody that didn't, that is not familiar with the Caribbean. Um, but then it's also a way for people that are from those anywhere in the Caribbean to see themselves in the work, to, you know, see their culture being highlighted in the work. So again, well, I work in that composition, so just like me and things that I lived, but just, it just creates that natural connection with people a lot of times that feel identified with my work. So I do, I do think a lot of times, oh, or, or I try not to, but it's inevitable to think, oh, what are people going to think about this? Or just like, what are they going to say about this? But essentially, I just, again, I just paint for myself and just let people see it. Um, I'm definitely the kind of artist, like I know a lot of artists make work and then they tell people, oh, you know, look, you know, whatever you think it means, that's what it means. I'm the kind of artist that I will tell you what that work means. And it's not going to change. You know, for me, I'm going to tell you what you're seeing. You're not going to assume what you're saying. I personally like to tell the viewer what they're saying. I don't like people assuming about my work. Each and every painting that I make has an important message to tell. It's definitely a bit more surreal and sometimes difficult to understand, but it's always, there's always a message behind the work. And it's always important for me to make sure you understand that, that you don't go home thinking about your interpretation of the work, I will want to tell you what you are seeing. For me, it's very important for people to understand what I'm trying to say. When do the titles of your work enter the creative process? So um, a lot of times, usually at the end, like I would have like a general idea of what I wanted to show, but I do like my titles to be, to not be as uh, literal in the work. Sometimes I do, but a lot of times I you know, I kind of hint what the painting is about by including it in the title. And titles are actually very interesting to me because a lot of times I would write my titles in almost like a Dominican slang in a way that a lot of times cannot be translated because it's not, you know, like a official dialect, if that makes sense. A lot of times is, you know, they vary between Spanish and English. You know, a lot of times my title have 
the translation in the title because a lot of times if I if the title is something that's almost like part of a the more like Dominican dialect and you can't translate it, but I don't want you to lose the meaning of the title. If you do translate it, I a lot of times put the my translation in the title as well. Uh, but again, essentially they do come at the end of the work. I would have like an idea of what I want to title it, but essentially the painting at the end and the final product is what dictate how much of that changes. A lot of times, again, I try to stay away from just very like common titles. Um, I do see a lot of my creative process as almost, or especially with solo shows, I see it similar to the idea of like an, a musician making an album. So every painting is a song. And I, want, I like to make sure that the song title is a unique enough so that there's, I try my best to like title works in a way that I've never heard another painting being titled, if that makes sense. A lot of times are like that. Sometimes it's just like a general word that of course somebody has those has titled their work like that. But again, thinking about that almost like album, music album process, you know, my paintings are songs and this album is the exhibition and this is a theme for it and stuff. Another interesting part about titles is like with, for all of my solo shows, again, going back to the almost like album title idea, I always have a painting that has to be titled after the show, the title of the show. So I always like that. So with any solo show that you see, uh, you know, the title, you can expect a painting in that show to have the same title as the show, if that makes sense. Every painting is a song. That's wonderful. No, yeah, yeah. It's almost like I always almost see it that way. Like each painting, it's like almost like uh, each painting title is almost like the song title for the album that would be the exhibition. For example, the title for my presentation at Independent is called Bagaíver. And then the main painting used, you know, for the first promotional uh, post on the exhibition is also the painting that's titled Bagaíver. Um, so it's also like that special connection to that as well. The last question is going to be loaded. What do you feel is the purpose of art and what is your role? as an artist to convey a message or what art should do for us? So this is, of course, my personal definition of what I think. My particular um, message with my work and just with me existing as an artist, you know, we go back to the idea for me is very important for the Caribbean, Caribbean life and Caribbean culture to have a place in contemporary art. And I want to contribute to that conversation by making sure that our traditions and our culture is shown in contemporary art. So my personal, I guess, or like the drive or like the purpose of me just creating is, you know, making sure that our voices are heard, making sure that, you know, people learn more about our culture, you know, that we're not just, you know, beaches and resorts, that we're people, that we have a vibrant culture, you know. Um, in general, you know, Caribbean art has been ignored for centuries, and we've never even had a, a chance fully to, for people to really understand who we are and what we are about. So for me, it's very important that I highlight in, that in the work so that it's part of the bigger conversation in like, you know, 100 years when I'm no longer around, you know, so that there is a place for that, you know. For example, you know, currently the Venice Biennale is on view and there's only one Caribbean country with a national pavilion, for example. 
it shouldn't be like that. And it's definitely sad and it's how rare that is. And that's why my main, I guess, what art should do or what I want to do with my art is, you know, make Caribbean art a forefront in contemporary art. And hopefully that would help other aspects of the Caribbean and Caribbean people to thrive in society itself. Well, I'm delighted to feature you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Not only because I'm curious about your practice, but also because, yes, there is a mission. So thank you very much for your time. I, I appreciate this interview. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was definitely an honor, you know, just to be here and just having this platform to, you know, share my work and like, you know, my vision. My pleasure. I enjoy it. It's my therapy. <laughs> Take care. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.